Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 as we enter into what the Lord has for us today. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to look at verse 12. And Pastor was ministering along these lines last Sunday, and so I'm just going to stay in his flow. Uh, He has already uh, started the plow. I'm just going to pick up behind him and plow along behind him. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, For the perfecting of the saints. Let's actually begin in verse 11 so that we can kind of know what is for the perfecting of the saints. Verse 11, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. We often refer to this as the fivefold ministry offices. This is speaking of Jesus giving the fivefold ministry offices. And I want you to see the office as a, a supernatural office, a supernatural um, supply in those offices because it's not just the people who are functioning in those offices, the office themselves, the office, the calling of the apostle, the calling of the pastor, the calling of the evangelist, holds equipment in the office. Just like in my office in the church, I have equipment that's not in my kitchen at home. It's not, if I want to get work done of that nature, I have to come to my office and I have to use the equipment that is resident in the office to be able to accomplish that specific thing Well, there are the office of the teacher. There's a supernatural supply to bring light and clarity. The office of the pastor. There's a supernatural supply to feed the flock, to gather the flock, to protect the flock. There's a supernatural supply uh, and, and offices with equipment. And so Jesus has chosen. This is his his. Design, he has chosen the prof, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher with equipment that is supernatural to each one of those offices. He has chosen that and plugged that in to the body of Christ, the local church. So we're not talking about just different churches, we're talking about the, the body of Christ. He has placed these fivefold ministry gifts and offices with the equipment for the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For us to understand that phrase, we've got to define perfecting in line with the Bible definition. Because if you just look at it from a first glance, you would think that perfecting meant making us without flaw. But as long as we're in these bodies, (laughs) that's not what the word means. If you look it up in the concordance and you look it up from the original language, the word perfecting means maturing or developing. Maturing or developing. And in the original language, it describes a process that, that needs to be brought all the way through the process to a place of completion. So when it says perfecting, it's talking about helping us to mature completely in this process so that we come into a place where we are developed. For instance, when a child is born, that baby has all of the bones. We don't have to wait until they're five to put leg bones in them when they start. We don't have to wait until they start walking before we put feet bones in them, right? All throughout their life, they've started from the beginning with 
the organs and the bones that they're going to have throughout their life, but they're not developed. The bones in the arms of that baby are not nearly the size of the bones they're going to have when they become adults. They've got to go through a process of development. They've got to go through stages of development. And that's the perfecting that every believer, every believer, say, that's me. Every believer is in a process of development. None of us, amen, none of us have arrived. We're not all there. We're all in progress. We're all in process. And if you'll understand that, you won't fall out when people in church don't treat you right. You'd say, oh, they're, they're in process. <laughs> and because I'm in process, I'm going to have mercy and I'm going to forgive them even if they don't know they've offended me, Amen. right? Amen. So this process, he is saying that there is a supply, a supernatural equipping in the teaching of the word, in the, the, the leadership in the local church, in the body of Christ. There are offices that supply for the development of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's a process right there. That's a, that's, that's a, a, a connection right there. The perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. The, the saints need to be developed so that they can be trusted with the ministry yeah. of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in the book of Acts. When the book of Acts first began, I mean, they, everybody was getting saved. Only the disciples who had walked with the Lord had a different foundation because of the teachings that, and the impartations they had received. So the disciples of the Lord became the apostles of the Lamb. <laughs> and those apostles of the Lamb helped to establish the churches and establish the leadership in the churches. Well, we see in the example of the church growth there at Jerusalem that they came to a place that they weren't able to provide for the widows. The Grecian widows were being neglected. And so they looked out from among them seven men and they had quite a requirement upon these people who were going to be distributing food to the widows. They had to be men of honest report. They had to be men filled with the Spirit of God. There was a requirement upon them, but if you see, they, ended, they, they entered into that service of the Lord. They entered in. They, they were already at one place of development, but they entered into that service of the Lord. And we see Stephen going on to be a, a, a great... Uh, uh, influence as a, a, a minister and even becoming the first martyr. We see Philip becoming the only evangelist that's listed in the book of Acts, right? And how did he do that? He started out serving in the church an area that needed a, a place of growth and needed a place of maturity, needed a place of responsibility. So he gave himself to that place of responsibility and God was able to trust him with more. Do we see the same thing happening with the Apostle Paul? He wasn't always the Apostle Paul. We encounter one part where it says that he was a prophet and a teacher. He was not an apostle. He was a prophet and a teacher. But he was faithful as a prophet and faithful as a teacher. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the, uh, the, the thing that I've called them into, the purpose that I have for them. So their faithfulness to grow in the area that they had been granted uh, the opportunity to serve enabled them to be able to be trusted with more. So do you see that it would be inappropriate for, me, for us to take people who are, not, who are not at a place of maturity or a place of development and put them in a place of leadership? If they have not yet become grounded in truth, if they have not yet become stable, then they're going to not only hurt other people with that position, but they can hurt themselves. Sometimes it's the love of God that holds us, uh, holds us back from some promotions. Amen. 
Because if we get promoted and the enemy says, you've got so much flesh, I can get up all in your business and I can mess with you and I can ruin you and you'll just abort the plan of God for your life. But instead, God holds us back and he holds us in positions where we learn as we serve. We learn as we're being faithful. We're growing. We're submitting to the the vision of the pastor in the local church. We're submitting to the Lord by bringing our faithfulness in our department, working in in whatever the, the opportunity that has been opened. And I'm showing myself faithful there. When God looks for somebody to promote, he's going to look among the faithful. He says, the faithful shall abound with blessings. He's going to look among the faithful. Why? Because if I can trust you here, I can put you in a place that is more important, not more important in, wow, look at them, but more important to God's plan. He's got to have stable people in positions that affect a lot of others. Because he wants... The, the stability of the body. Amen? Amen? So this perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry is something that you cannot avoid. You can't, give, you can't bypass it. You, can, there's, you can't just say, okay, let me just get it imparted to me. I'll just get somebody to lay hands on me and it'll be imparted to me. That stage of growth has to be walked out. You have to bring it to a process of growth by you growing into it. And so for the work of the ministry, there is a requirement of development. The development is the perfecting so that we can do the work of the ministry and then for the edifying of the body. Edify is a word that means a building up. It's talking about development too. It's talking about a strengthening too. The edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Again, this word perfect. It is developed and mature. Developed and mature until we come into a place that we're developed till we come into a place that we're mature. Hallelujah. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which means the anointed one and his anointing. So he's the one who has set the bar. He is the one who has established what the objective for us to attain. We want to grow up into him. He laid down his life. That's the love of God in action, right? He did not think about himself. He was 100% selfless. There was no selfishness in him. He didn't participate in sin, had every temptation, just like we have every temptation. But the love of God was more valuable to him than the love of self of fulfilling any selfish desire. And he, he submitted himself to say, not my will, but thy will. Not my will, but thy will. He he laid down his life even to the point of death to give you and I an example of how we can walk out our lives fulfilling the will of God. Hallelujah. So he's our standard. He's our standard. And so we all have have work, don't we? We've got work ahead of us. (laughs) And then it says, so that we would no longer be children. I don't use the word henceforth. So that we henceforth or from now on, be no, be no more children. He does not want us to be children forever. He does, if, if we're at a stage of growth, there's no condemnation for being at that stage, but I don't have to stay in a place of immaturity. For us to stay in a place of immaturity is to neglect the feeding on the Word. Because if I'll just keep feeding on the Word of God and submitting to it and submitting to it and honoring that Word and letting that Word govern me, then I'm going to grow. So it says here that we henceforth be no more children who are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So God's out to protect us in this. This is protection. People who are moved by every new thing that comes out on Christian TV are going to be in and out and up and down and here and there. They're not going to have roots. 
You've got to have a stable root in the Word of God, a stable root system into the truth of God's Word so that you're not being moved by what's selling on Christian TV. But you're being moved by the light of the Word. And that, that stability of the established Word of God. So he says that for this to take place, we need maturing. We need to be developed so that we're not moved by the winds of doctrine. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, you may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So this is our objective. This is the purpose of the church. It's the purpose of the five-fold ministry offices. It's the purpose of the anointing. It's the purpose of services. It's the purpose of sermons. It's the purpose of podcasts and, and, and things so that you can feed on this more than just one time a week. More than just, that's the reason we, we have church more than just one time a week. Because we need to eat spiritually more than one time a week. We need to gather even more so as we see the last days approaching because I've got some time to make up here. I've got some growth that needs to take place. I need some miracle grow going on in my spiritual life. I mean, if you've ever used miracle grow and ever done done plants without it and plants with it, you're like, whoa. My grandma had some miracle grow. She got out of the barn. And it made those plants grow. It smelled bad, but it made those plants grow. But God's miracle grow doesn't smell bad and it doesn't have any, any negative effects if we'll just feed on the Word and let our, our lives be submitted to the Word and to the leading of His Holy Spirit. We're going to grow and it doesn't have to take us 20 years to become spiritually strong. Amen. Amen? Amen? And this is one thing that will help us is to know the difference between how spiritual development takes place and natural development. In the natural, if a person is alive and they're eating, their body is going to go through that process of development. A child, if you just feed them, they do, you just wake up, Liliana, she's, she's four, four and a half, and someday she gets up and she says, my knees hurt. And I'm like, yeah, and you're about an inch taller. I'll tell you why your knees are hurting. You're growing while you're asleep. <laughs> I mean, she's just, the process is kind of natural, but that's not always the case in spiritual things because if, just because a person gets saved doesn't mean they're growing. They can come to church and even hear the word, and it doesn't mean they're growing. Amen. It doesn't mean they're maturing, and we're going to see some examples. Before I do that, I want to look at Colossians 1, and let's look at verse 28. <clears throat> Colossians 1, 28 says, whom we preach, speaking of Christ, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, mature, developed in Christ Jesus. That's our goal. That's our goal as, as ministers. That's our goal as fellow believers that we want to be able to help people reach maturity. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Chapter 4, same book, Colossians 4, verse 12. It says, Ephaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Now we're going to find out what Ephaphras was praying for this church there in Colossae. Praying for you that you may stand perfect, mature and developed. And complete in all the will of God. So we see from these three witnesses here in the New Testament, Ephesians 4, Colossians 1, Colossians 4, we see this established as the objective for every believer's life. Our goal, our objective as believers is to grow, to grow up into Christ that we would mature and develop in the things of the Spirit, in the things of the Word, so that we are stable people, stable for the work of the ministry, that we're stable in our own lives, so that we're not moved around by whatever uh, slick-haired preacher comes to town, right? So, so that we, we know the will of God and we stick with the will of God. Yes. Amen? Amen? So this is... 
the design that God has for every one of us. Now, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to talk to you about these stages of growth. Every believer is in a different stage of growth, and it's dependent upon how you are interacting with the Word, how you are interacting and submitting yourself to be a doer of the Word. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 1, let's read verse 22. And then we're going to read on down through chapter 2, verse 2. So 122. Seeing you have purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So our doing of the Word, obeying the truth. Remember, it's what word am I submitting to? Not how many sermons I've listened to this week. How many podcasts I've been playing. What have I done with what I've heard is going to determine how I'm growing. Faith can come, but it still has to be acted upon. Hearing is vital for the, the, the production of faith, but it's not the end. It's, it says in the book of James that if we're hearers only, we're deceiving ourselves. If we just hear it and we say, I know that, and we're just stocking up information in the mind so that we can quote the scripture back, but we're not applying it, So he says the person who is a hearer of the word and is not a doer of that word is is deceiving themselves. Well, how are they deceived? They think they're doing it. They think I've got it. They think it's enough that I've heard it. It's enough that I know it. But it's not enough. Because Jesus said the man who hears these sayings of mine and does them, he will be like the person. You know, the, the man who built his house on the sand, he heard it. He heard the same thing that the man who built his house on the rock heard. They both heard it. You know, the parable of the sower. The ground that's the wayside soil heard it. The ground that's the stony ground heard it. The ground that is the the thorny ground heard it. But only one type of ground brought forth any fruit was the ground that heard it and received it. They kept it until the word came out as a harvest in their life. They did it. Amen? Amen. And so the doing of the word, James went on to say that the one that is a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, he'll be blessed in the doing of it. He'll be blessed in the doing of that word. So the blessing, the harvest doesn't come just from the hearing. It starts with the hearing, but it comes as I act on the word that I've heard, as I apply it to my life. If God says forgive I forgive if I have anything against anybody. I am not authorized to hold uh, against anybody an unforgiveness. I can't stand before God and say, but God, do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did to my family? God's going to say, but my scripture said, if you have aught against any, drop it, leave it, let it go. That's the amplified version of Mark eleven twenty-five. Drop it, leave it, let it go. If you have anything against anybody. So I, I cannot stand before God and find any legal recourse to build a case for holding on to unforgiveness. Amen? Amen? Why? Because God has freely forgiven me. He forgave me and I was guilty as charged. I'm telling you, I was guilty with a capital G. And He forgave me. So no matter how guilty somebody else is, it's not my place to hold the unforgiveness towards them because I've been a recipient of forgiveness. So if I, if I am a doer of that, then I'm going to be blessed in the doing of it. Amen? Amen. So when we, we see here that He says, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Well, they were born again. But their soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the soul needed to be cleansed. And how do I keep my soul clean? Be a doer of the Word. Be a doer of the Word. If I'm a doer of the Word, it's going to cleanse my mind. If I'm a doer of the Word, it's going to cleanse my, my, the way I feel about things. Some people are waiting to forgive when they feel like it. And they say, well, I haven't forgiven yet because I I don't feel... You forgive by obedience to the Word and the feelings will eventually follow. If you'll just keep saying, I have forgiven that person. I refuse to hold on to that unforgiveness. I forgive that person. In Jesus' name, I forgive them. If you'll keep peeling that onion, that onion will eventually come to the end. So it says that you purify your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit 
unto unfeigned, or that, that means that you're not faking it. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> God bless you. Can you believe that? <laughs> not faking it. We're not faking it. He wants it to be sincere. He wants it to be sincere love for the brethren. Why? Because we've got to live forever in eternity together. And we will, not be, we will not be able to say, well, now that time has ended, the love command is no longer valid, so I don't have to love you that way anymore. No, as long as God is love. <laughs> We're going to be governed by the love command. So we might as well get good at it. We might as well be skilled in it, right? So he says to the unfeigned or the not faking it love of the brethren... See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So he's saying, you're going to do this because you're saved. You are not a mere human being who is limited to human ability and human emotion. You are born again. You are alive unto God. The word of God, the incorruptible word, has birthed you into a spirit life and you can do this. You can love people sincerely with the God kind of love because you're alive unto God. God lives in you so you can love people. So he says, now this verse 23 down through 25 is referring to how they were born of the word. In other words, you are not limited to what a human nature has to offer. You have much more to offer. You are spirit, spirit being, spiritually alive. You're alive with the life of God and the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And now chapter 2 verse 1. Wherefore, that means this is why you need to lay aside all malice. Is this to the church? I mean, is he talking to unbelievers here? No, he's talking to believers, the church people, the saved people, the people that when I, when I first started coming to church, I thought all of y'all church people were perfect, you know. I came out of addiction. I came out of a life of crime. I came out and I just thought everybody in here in the church, they are so pristine and they are so clean and they've got their acts together. And I've got, I'm just, I'm just like Minnie Pearl. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> I'm just, okay. I'm just glad I'm counted in this number. And then I got to know some of them. I thought, oh, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. <laughs> You need Jesus with that critical attitude, right? You need Jesus with that, that uh, uh, short temper. So he says to the church, why is he saying this? Because he's saying you need to love one another with a pure heart because you're alive unto God and you can do this out of your spirit. That's why you lay aside the malice, the guile, the hypocrisy, the envies and the evil speaking, lay those aside. So whose responsibility is that? It's ours. We are responsible to lay these things aside. And what do we do? As newborn babes, here we see a stage of development, a stage of development, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow by that word, by that milk of the word. So the milk of the word, we need to bring our desire to it and we need to cut off the desire for envy. We need to cut off the desire for evil speaking. We need to cut off that that malice, that ill will, right? And desire the sincere milk of the word as a baby desires milk. Because that's how we're going to grow. So... 1 Corinthians chapter 3 shows us an example in the church there at Corinth. They were hearing the word. They were saved. They had been under the word, but had not been a doer of the word or applying it to their life. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Let's begin in verse 1. And I, brethren, brethren, 
They are saved. They're in church, right? I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. I couldn't speak to you as someone who was spiritual. So is it all dependent upon what the preacher is capable of delivering in the service as to how good the sermon is? Right? He said, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Why? Because they couldn't take it. He said, but I spoke unto you as carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. In this scripture, he just defined carnal. There's the definition for carnal, a baby. A baby in Christ. So you could say a baby in Christ is carnal, and a carnal Christian is a baby in Christ. From that scripture, I spoke unto you as unto carnal. They were brothers. They were alive unto God. They had been born again, but they had not laid aside the malice, laid aside the ill will, laid aside the hypocrisy, the evil speaking, and the envy. He says, I can't speak to you as unto spiritual. You know, with my, my four-year-old, she is really excited about numbers. And so we play some games and she says, Mommy, if I have three on this hand and I have two on this hand, how many do I have? And, and I'll say, okay, let's count. And so we count one, two, three, four, five, and she counts them all. And so she asked me and I said, well, if I have three and I add two, she goes, no, 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 you got to count them all. One, two, three, four, five. I can't say three, three, four, five. I have to count the one, two, three because that's where she is. I could not explain division and multiplication to her right now. She can't bear it. She could not grasp. So I can't speak to her at that place, right? I have to speak to her where she understands what she can count on her fingers. And, and she really came out of the box last week. She said, Mommy... You hold up three and I'll hold, you hold up three on both hands and I'll hold up three. And she had us all, she had all of our fingers going. <laughs> so she's counting her dad's fingers, my fingers, her fingers, and woo! She was excited. She counted beyond what was on her fingers, right? Amen. So she's growing, but she's still not ready to understand division. She's still not ready to grasp multiplication. Let's get her really good and stable with addition and subtraction first. And then we'll bring to her a greater understanding. And so he says here, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk. Should they have been farther along? They've been fed with milk. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto or before now, you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. So they should have been. The food was there. The supply was there. But they weren't applying it and being doers of it. For you are yet carnal. Now he's going to give us a description of their carnality. He's going to show us the evidence of why he's calling them carnal. He's not doing this to be to beat them up or to, to, you know, make them feel bad about themselves. He's trying to bring them to an awakening, a realization of you should not be at this place. He says, you are yet carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? What does that mean, walk as men? Walk as men? Well, we saw from 1 Peter, he said, you're born again of the incorruptible word of God. Your spirit is alive. You're not just a mere human. You have the life of God and the presence of God with you to help you live right and love right and talk right and behave right. So he says you're walking just out of that natural supply of what feels good or what seems good. And I'll tell you, before Christ, 
there were a lot of, of wrong responses that I had, had gathered and collected. And forgiveness was not on my radar. Revenge, I was getting pretty good at revenge. Holding people, holding it against people, right? So I had to learn different responses that were not in my feelings. They were not in my previous way of behaving before, but now I'm in Christ and I'm born of God and I've got access to be able to respond differently in situations. And so when Pastor and I first got married, what caused a lot of the difficulty in those first years of marriage was that I was trying to do marriage like I did before Christ. Not letting anybody too close, not going to let you hurt me, I'm not going to trust you, I'm watching you. Always watching you, Kazowski. You might have toddlers if you know what I meant. But I had what, what helped our marriage was we both grew up spiritually. We both matured spiritually. And when we started growing in the Word, our marriage got better because we weren't carnal. What caused all those difficulties, I can look back on it now, and what caused all those difficulties was our carnality. He didn't want to be wrong. I didn't want to be wrong. He, did, he wanted to have the last word. I wanted to have the last word. Right? That carnality was, was the fuel for all of our arguments, for all of our disagreements. But when we began to walk in love and, and forgiving and trusting and let the, the spiritual responses become our, our, our go-to way of dealing with something, responding out of our spirit instead of responding out of our flesh, our marriage got better, our, the way that uh, raising our children got better. Praise God. Because when we live out of the spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. By default, if you'll give the emphasis to learning to live out of my spirit, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? So he says here, they were walking as mere men. The Amplified uses that mere unchanged men. We are not those mere unchanged men and women. We've been changed. So Hebrews 5, let's look at verses 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, again, we have an example of a group of people that should have been farther along, and because of their lack of spiritual growth, there was revelation that was not able to come forth. It says here in verse 11, it's Hebrews 5.11, of whom, he's, he's speaking of Jesus being called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. He said there were things that needed to be said but couldn't be said because of their dullness spiritually, their callousness spiritually. It says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers... Now, for a person to be at a place to teach, they have had to interact with that information well enough to absorb it and to be able to assimilate it, to formulate it, to be able to bring it back into a place that I can teach it to you, right? For a person to gain a skill with anything, whether it be working, changing a carburetor on a car, whether it be uh, making grandma's pumpkin pie, right, cornbread, you know, biscuits. Uh, you can't just make biscuits without knowing grandma's tricks about making biscuits. You gotta, so you got to work with grandma while she's making the biscuits. 
to figure out how did she do that to keep it from sticking here and how did she get it so that it would rise that way and how long did she put it in for and how did she not make it look like a cat head and, and uh, you know, I, I, the times I have been my, that the biscuits tasted good, they always looked ugly. I've never made a pretty biscuit that tasted good. I was, either, I was sacrificing one for the other. I made it pretty and it, it was hard and not fluffy. Or I made it ugly and it was just so good to eat but ugly to look at, right? So I needed to spend more time with Grandma in the kitchen to figure out how she made those biscuits perfect in sight and taste, right? So to, to gain that skill, you're going to have to interact with it enough so that you can not only know it for yourself, but know it well enough to teach it to somebody else. For you to come to that place. He said they should have been at that place. They had, they had experienced the word personally enough that they should have been at that place. But they were not at that place. He said you ought to be a teacher. You've, you've heard it enough. You've experienced it enough. You've handled it enough. You ought to be a teacher but instead, you need that it be taught to you again. He says, you need to have a repetition of this. So that's the answer. If we don't have it yet, that's what we need is a repetition of it. We need to hear it again. And we don't need something new if we don't have this step yet. Amen. I don't need to go on to step number four. Amen. Anybody like to just skip the steps and then you end up with all kinds of parts and you think, what are these extra parts for? And then the whole bookcase wobbles. The TV stand wobbles. And you're like, oh, I should have read part two on the directions. I missed that step. They're going to just skip the steps. And we can't skip the steps in our spiritual maturity. We can't just bypass all that and say, well, I don't want that serving in a department. I want to go right up into the pulpit. I don't want to, I don't want to show that faithfulness in this area. I want to go right up to what I think is glamour. Or what I think shows that I'm important. Well, that's not the way the kingdom's going to work. That's not going to be what's best for you. And it's not going to be what's best for others. Amen? So this maturity, he said, you ought to be teachers. But you have need that one teach you again. Even the first principles of the teachings of God. The first principles of the sayings of God. The basics, you need the ABCs. We're going to have to take you back to the alphabet. We're going to have to take you back to the elementary stages of learning because you haven't applied those stages yet. He said, you are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The fact that the word become is used there makes us see that they were possibly at a further stage but they have regressed in the word that they're applying to their life. They've let some things slip. Is that possible? Does Hebrews tell us to pay more earnest heed to the things which we have heard? Chapter 2, verse 1, lest at any time we let them slip. So it's possible for things that we once knew. Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a personal encounter with God where God revealed to him that the one upon whom you see my spirit descend and remain, he is the Christ. And John the Baptist said on the day that he baptized Jesus in the waters of the Jordan River, he said, the one who sent me to baptize, the one who called me, the one who appointed me and anointed me for this job of baptism, he told me that when I saw the Spirit of God descend and remain, and I declare before you today, I have seen the Spirit of God come upon Jesus. He is the Christ, and I testify before you all, God told me what to look for, and I've seen it in Christ. Amen. Move ahead a few chapters. And he's sending his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the one or do we look for another? I mean, divine revelation from heaven. But he's lost it. Why? Well, Jesus gave us a an, 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 an reason. Jesus responded to the disciples of John the Baptist and said, you go tell John. Tell John the signs. The, the blind are receiving their sight. The gospel's being preached to the poor. 
The lame are walking. You go tell him the signs and then tell him, blessed are those who are not offended in me. So now we know what caused him to lose what he once knew. Offense. Is that what it just told us? That the problem in Corinth? Envy? Strife? That's offense. So because of that strife, that it was allowing their flesh to cancel out spiritual growth. Cancel out the doing of the word. And John the Baptist allowed strife that robbed him of what he, the light he once walked in. Robbed him of the light. That's why we've got to be on guard against... See, the enemy, he has to get our flesh to cooperate. Because he can't make you do anything. He can't, he can't defeat you without your help. Because you're in Christ. And if you'll live in him and move in him and have your being in Christ, you'll stay off limits. And it says that we can be in a place where the wicked one touches us not. How do we get in that place? We grow spiritually. We walk in love. If I'm walking in love, I'm walking in God and God's walking in me. Yeah. Amen. I'm fellowshipping one with another and we're being cleansed. Amen? So he says here that they became such as needed milk. And again, that's God's answer. If we're at a place where we're, we're dealing with an area of our flesh or we're dealing with anger, we're dealing with, with whatever is coming against our mind, our will, and our emotions, trying to get us off track, offense. If we're dealing with one of those things, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Look at that Word as a sustenance for you. And then he says this in verse 13. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So now we know another aspect about the babyhood stage. The babyhood stage is not established in who they are in Christ. They are unskillful in the word of their righteousness in Christ. That's a, that's a foundational truth that we've got to be proficient in. That I am... A new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are created new and all things are of God. That's a foundation for me. That is a, a, uh, a, a switch because now I'm living out of that place in Christ. I'm, it, it, I am no longer I that live, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, but yet it is no longer I that live but it's Christ that lives in me. That's being skilled in the word of righteousness. And if we don't gain skill in the righteousness, it'll affect our ability to pray because we need to be able to go boldly into the presence of God to obtain grace to His help in time of need, right? But if you don't have a knowledge of who you are in Christ and you think you're a sinner saved by grace, you're going to have a hard time getting in there with any confidence. Right? If you're not skilled in the righteousness that you are in Christ Jesus, then you're still at a stage of, of babyhood, and that's not condemnation. Every one of us are at different places and different levels of, of growth, but keep growing. That's the answer. Keep growing. Keep growing. I may not be completely where I need to be, but I'm not where I used to be, and I'm moving on. Amen? <laughs> But he said that being skilled in the word of righteousness. Well, what are some of the things that the word of righteousness helps you become skilled in? Romans chapter 10 says that righteousness will tell you what not to say. The righteousness of God, which, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in your heart. So the righteousness will, will correct you of what you're thinking. Amen. I can't think that way. I'm righteous. I can't think that critical thought. I'm righteous. God sees everything I'm thinking. There's nothing in my heart that's hidden from Him. That's growth. That's growth. 
because I'm not embarrassed. If God came and, and, and repeated everything I've thought for the last week, I was like, I know. I'm not, there's nothing I've thought that was embarrassing before God. Why? Because I already knew it. <laughs> I already knew that God sees my thoughts and he knows the intents of my heart. So I've already cleaned out anything that I don't want him to see and got it out of my life because I don't want him to see it and I know he's always looking in my heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so I'm okay with it. Search me, O Lord. (laughs) If there is something, if you'll point it out to me, I'll get it out. That's the other thing. If, if, if I'm open with him. If you see something in me that is not right, you, you point your finger at it and I'll get rid of it. I'll change it. I'll change my way of behaving. I'll, I'll uh, uh, change my word about it, whatever it may be. Why? Because I want his correction. I want him to correct me. So this, this skilled in the word of righteousness is, uh, is that foundational Growth, And then he says this in verse 14, but strong meat, strong meat, or you could say solid food, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. And this again is a word that is perfect. Those who are mature, those who are developed, strong meat, full, uh, uh, solid food is for those who are mature. So, so let me put it this way. The more that we all grow and mature, the more we get when we come together in the presence of God. Why? Because we'll be able to see more. God God will be able to say, I think I can take you into past subtraction and into multiplication today. And let me show you something. Right? Because we're mature and we can take it. And we'll, we'll, we'll not only hear it and walk away from it saying, Whoa, that was a cool sermon. But we'll hear it and we'll say, I'm going to put that to work. I'm going to do that. I'm going to apply that to my life. Amen? Amen. So he says that this solid food belongs to those who are mature, even those who by reason of use, that's being a doer, a doer of the word, by, by practicing the word, by putting the word to work in their life, they have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. To discern both good and evil. They have practiced the word until it's not a difficult decision for me to say that's wrong and I'm not going to have it in my life. That attitude is the wrong attitude and I'm not going to let it have its way in my day today. (laughs) Right, because I'm being a doer of the word. And the the more we grow, the more we grow. And the more we do, the more that we see that we can do. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we have these stages of development. And we're going to close here in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 calls this maturity, walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, let's look at verse 13. Walking in the Spirit is how we walk developed and mature. Verse 13 says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Use not liberty. Is that possible that a person could use the liberty they have in Christ... And it becomes something that gives them an excuse to get away with something in their flesh. Well, because it is an instruction in the Bible, it's evidently an issue. It's evidently something that people could fall into the trap of. Well, I'm saved. I'm saved. I don't need that. I'm saved. I don't need that discipline in my life. I'm going to go to heaven. So it doesn't matter about whatever, fill in the blank. Don't use the liberty as an occasion to the flesh. What's the answer? What's the alternative? By love, serve one another. By love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite 
and devour one another? Is that in the Bible to Christians? If you bite and devour one another to the church, to the Christians. If you bite and devour one another, what are you supposed to be doing? By love, serve one another. If you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one with another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. One translation says, habitually order your manner of life by the Spirit. Make it a habit to live out of your born-again spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. He's going to lead you from your spirit. But we still have the responsibility of reacting and responding from that place and not from our emotions. From the spirit and not from the mind. Walk in the spirit. Live out of your born-again spirit. Controlled by the spirit of God. Guided by the spirit of God. Propelled by the Spirit of God. But it's your spirit. When it talks about fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22, the Holy Spirit's not the branch where the fruit grows. The Holy Spirit is the life force that's coming from the vine through the branches, from the tree trunk through the branches. So the Holy Spirit is the force providing me the life to bring forth the fruit, but I'm the fruit-bearing branch. You are the fruit-bearing branch. And if anybody's going to see the fruit of Jesus, they're going to have to look at us. And if if we don't want to be serving up green apples, unless they're meant to be green. Right? Right? We don't want to serve up fruit that's not ripened, fruit that's not developed. We want to develop the fruit of the character of God, the love of God, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the meekness, the temperance, the, the, the patience, the faithfulness. All of these are characteristics of who God is and they are supposed to be developing in us because we're His children. We're supposed to look like Him. We're supposed to look like Him in the way we behave. We're supposed to look like Him in the way we respond. We should not be the irate drivers trying to force people off the road. Blue hair driving in my lane. No, we're not supposed to be those people who are road raging Uh, having bad hair days and blue Mondays and hump Wednesdays. We need to be those people who are walking in the joy of the Lord. We are those people who are operating in the love of God. Amen. Amen. But that's only going to happen if we'll walk in the Spirit. We'll walk in the Spirit. We'll live out of our born-again Spirit. Praise God. Oh, Father, help us. Just lift your hand and ask Him for His help today. Just yield yourself to Him. He's your heavenly Father. You're His child. And He wants to help us grow. Oh, it's His desire. Oh, our Father wants to help us grow. Lord, we open up our hearts right now and we ask You to strengthen us in this development process. Lord, that whatever we need to lay aside... We ask you to point it out to us, Lord. And would you just say this with me? Father, I am willing to lay aside whatever you indicate in my life needs to go. I want to mature. And I want to be growing and excelling in your plan for my life. In Jesus' name. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation available for you because Jesus paid the price to redeem your life from any sin and all sin that you've ever committed. But you have to make the decision to accept Him as Lord. Making the decision to accept Jesus as Lord enables you to receive that blood that He shed on the cross to pay the price to free you from sin, 
to free you from the wages of sin, which is death, and to make you a child of God. If that's you and you need to know Jesus, would you lift your hand right where you are and say, Michelle, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. That decision is the decision that will change your life forever. But it's a decision that you have to, you have to choose. The day that I accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life, I was addicted to drugs. I was, uh, had lost my children because of drug overdoses and because of the life of crime that I'd lived. I had absolutely no hope, nothing to look forward to, nothing to live for. But I heard that Jesus wanted to help me and that He died on the cross to save me. And I accepted Him as Lord. I had no idea what He had planned for me. I had no idea what He wanted. I just knew I needed His help and I didn't want to go to hell in the condition that I was in. And I made that decision. And Jesus met me on that day. And He entered into my life and He changed me from the inside out. And He changed the direction that my life was going. And He set me on a path that is a good path with His plan and His purpose for my life. And that's what He has in store for you today. Would you come here and let me pray with you? Hallelujah. Anybody else want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That decision is a decision that has taken you out of the hand of the enemy. And He will no longer have the ability to destroy or cause you to destroy your life. Say this with me right now. Yes. Jesus, Jesus, I accept you. I accept you. What you did for me. What you did for me. On the cross. On the cross. I accept it. I accept it. Today. Today. I believe. I believe. God raised you. God raised you from the dead. From the dead. And I accept you as my Lord. And I accept you as my Help me, Help me to, grow to grow and to know your plan. And to know your plan. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the blood that covers this man and cleanses him from every mistake and sin he's ever done in his life. The repercussion of that sin, I command you to be null and void. And Father, I pray for the favor of God to begin to shine upon this man's path, that he would begin to see hope for his tomorrow, that he would begin to recognize that you have made him so in such a, a unique design that you have a purpose and a plan for his life, and he'll walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want you to look around at these men here. They're your brothers in Christ and they're here to help you. Hallelujah. Gentlemen, make yourselves friendly to your, your new brother. Your new brother in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. Oh, I didn't understand all of that, but I hung on to it anyway. I, I couldn't understand how I could be a prostitute and a drug addict and wanted by the law, how that I could come and give my life to Jesus and he could say old things are passed away. That he no longer looked at me because of the decisions that I've made or the sins that I had committed, but he looked at me in Christ and he saw me in him and he saw me clean. He saw me whole and that's what the Lord has done in my life. He's rearranged my life. And that's what He wants to do for every one of us. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to desire to grow. Desire it. When this age is over, our growth won't stop. When, when this time is no more and we are living in eternity with God, do you think we're just going to just maintain whatever spiritual level we were when time ended or when we pass on if we go by way of the grave? 
Do you think that's our, the limit? That's where our spiritual growth stops? I don't think so. No. So let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Let's, let's develop, let's get as much as we can get in this development and this growth that we can now so that God can utilize our maturity for his glory. Because that's what's going to happen. The more we grow, the more he says, I need you to do this for me. I'm, he's looking for people who are faithful and stable and mature in his things so that he can, he, he can bring that stability to another part of the body. So desire it. One of the things I started saying after I got saved was, Lord, help me grow up. <laughs> I did. I prayed it. Lord, help me grow up. I was so fleshly. I was so, so unlearned in things. But a lot of people, a lot of people will know me today and then read my book, Walking in the Graveyard, and they say, it's hard for me to picture that you were that because God helped me grow up. God did that. God did that. God helped me grow up. And he'll help you too. Amen? Stand with me.